0: Well now it's my privilege to tell you something about our guest preacher today. Reverend Jordan Buck Davis received her Master of Divinity degree from Union Presbyterian Seminary, Richmond, Richmond. Right? In Richmond in 2014. She devoted much of her time at Union to finding ways to strengthen the Union community through fellowship and worship. Her college degrees And you notice that's a plural, degrees are a Bachelor of Music Performance and a Bachelor in Music Education, both from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro, where my own sweetie got her degree. (laughs) During her college years, she worked at First Presbyterian Church Raleigh in a program called Summer in the City. That's where both Paul III and Sarah as middle schoolers way back then, got to know her as a wonderful counselor and leader, and especially help her when they couldn't stand those disgusting things (laughs) they found in the gleaning gleaning project. But they learned a lot about service in those weeks. I got to know Jordan better as she made her journey to ordination under care of New Hope Presbyteries Committee on Preparation for Ministry. Jordan lives in Durham with her husband, Mark. There are three fish and a cat, which I apparently you keep very separate. <laughs> she serves as a church relations officer for Union Seminary. Those, who, those of us who follow her on Facebook know that she is an active advocate for the seminary and that she is a preacher much in demand. I made this reservation months and months and months ago when we thought graduation was gonna be today. And uh, fortunately, Barton said, oh no, this year we're doing it on Saturday, so we get to be here and, and hear you as well. The other thing I will leave with you as a special present on this occasion is something you can open later.
1: Let us pray for illumination. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Our first reading is Psalm 97. The Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his adversaries on every side. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all the peoples behold his glory. All worshipers of images are put to shame, those who make their boasts in worthless idols. All gods bow down before him. Zion hears and is glad, and the towns of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O God. For you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. (coughs) The Lord loves those who hate evil. He guards the lives of his faithful. He rescues them from the hand of the wicked. Light dawns for the righteous and joy for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Our second reading this morning is going to be adjusted just a hair from what's in the bulletin. Rather than cutting out verses, I'm just going to read straight through. Revelation chapter 22, verses 12 through 21. And what I will be reading this morning comes from the Common English Bible, which has become one of my favorite translations. And I invite you to read along in NRSV or whatever you have with you. It says, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me to repay all people as their actions deserve. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Favored are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right of access to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs, the drug users and spellcasters, those who commit sexual immorality, the murderers, the idolaters, and all who love and practice deception. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to bear witness to all of you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who wishes to receive life-giving water as a gift. Now I bear witness to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy contained in this scroll. If anyone adds to them, God will add to that person the plagues that are written in this scroll. If anyone takes away from the words of the scroll as prophecy, God will take away that person's share in the tree of life and the holy city, which are described in this scroll. The one who bears witness to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord be with all. And this is the word of the Lord. To that. I am very excited to be here today, especially on Mother's Day, because as Paul said, I did see Sarah and Paul go through middle school, and hearing of Paul's graduation and hearing Sarah read scripture, I feel like a proud mother right now. It is quite scary sometimes. I found out that several of the children that went through Summer in the City have not They're not only graduating, but they have graduated from college. Um, And considering I was in college at the time, it makes me feel a little older. But it is great to be here and finally worship with you after following Dr. Roland's post on Facebook and to tell you a little bit about Union as well as share the word of God. If you don't know about Union Presbyterian Seminary, we are located in Richmond, Virginia, in Charlotte, North Carolina, and online through our extended campus program. Our Richmond campus is a residential traditional grad school. Our Charlotte campus is a weekend only, Saturday, all day, five year Master of Divinity program. Um, I admire everybody who goes through that program. I would not wish it on anybody, but it is such a necessary thing now. And our online campus is for Masters of Christian Ed, and we have students all over the world in that program. My job with Union, now that I have graduated and they, for some reason, wanted to call me back, is to come around and not just preach at churches, but to also let you know what we are doing, who we are, and reestablish some lost connections over the years. And so with that little bit of background, I'm excited to tell you we are coming up on graduation as well in just under a month. We have just welcomed back several students from Ghana. They were there for about two and a half weeks traveling and learning about Presbyterians and Ghana and the different needs that are there in contrast to what we have here in the U.S. Uh, on Thursday, we will send about 30 people to the Middle East. They will travel all over. I honestly don't know their schedule because it changes based off of the conflict, unfortunately. And when they return, they will, a lot of them will immediately graduate and go to hospitals as chaplains. Some will come to churches this size and 1,500 members. And some are already planning to return to school to do some more paper writing for some reason. But among all of that, we are also continuing new plans for union. And I'd like to invite you to come up to Richmond in September. We're going to have an evangelism workshop. Uh, We have a new evangelism professor who is working with our students, not on waving Bibles around, but instead discerning what the gospel is for them as congregational leaders. And we are working with congregations to do that. And I will share that information with Paul if you're interested. But as much as I would love to talk about union for another hour or so, and I can do it, I am here to talk about the words Lord and share what it means for me. And when I emailed Paul about this text, it was with great hesitation because this is the last part of Scripture. This is the, these are the final nine verses of revelation and it does not come easily but this past Wednesday I had the opportunity to attend a stewardship seminar at Kirk of Kildare in Cary. Uh, This seminar was put on by our presbytery and focused on how to ask people for money. Not something I really want to do but I attended so that I could learn And as we were talking about how to ask congregations for money, we started talking about what we require of members and further what Christ required of disciples. And as the whole seminar went down the stewardship path, all of a sudden I started thinking about washing our robes and how that is what we are required to do in this text. This morning's text can be read as the final call to discipleship. At the close of John's revelation, Christ's work is complete and it is known. But at the same time, there is an undercurrent of longing and expectation found here. Christ's work is complete. And he is now enthroned in heaven, but the gift of the Holy Spirit, as promised earlier in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, has not yet come to fruition. And so the church cries out, come, Lord Jesus, seeking and waiting for the day when the Spirit does come in this new way, building on the gifts that have already been presented, eliminating this feeling that has come of separation and loneliness as Christ leaves them standing there. The church cries out, affirming that they know that there is more coming, more that is only going to strengthen their relationship with Christ and with God. And just as Abraham and Sarah sought something more, just as Job sought something more, and Matthew and James and Peter and the other disciples sought something more, John and the church and we are standing here seeking something more and crying out, yearning for more we seek a stronger and closer relationship with Christ, looking to the place where Christ once stood, but now only our neighbors seem to remain. Our focus has been reoriented, and we, with John and the church, find ourselves in such a way that we must seek to know Christ through one another. As someone who hates doing laundry, to the extent I have just left three baskets of laundry for my husband to fold for me this week, this text is very frustrating for me. If this is taken literally, I stand no chance at getting through the gates if folding is required. Thankfully, though, this is not what Christ means. Instead, he means that not a single person has come to this moment in their life without some mark, some smudge or snag that has happened through our relationships with one another and sometimes through a lack of relationship with Christ and with God. However, Christ is reminding us that as we wash our robes, as we follow God's commandments, as we live with one another in community, as we follow all of Christ's teachings, our robes will become clean. These snags and these mars will no longer matter for they will be washed away. Our incomplete and fault-filled selves will be welcomed through the gates of new jerusalem and we will receive eternal refreshment from the living water and this is where our final call to discipleship lies as we are called to wash our robes to live in the way that christ taught rather than the way of the dogs and drug users and murderers Among others listed in verse 15, we are called to not only look at our own lives, but also at the lives around us. We are called to reach out and to live with one another. We are called to act in our waiting. Just as we cry out to Christ to come, so too does Christ call to each one of us to come. To him with our life. Christ is the root and the descendant of David and the bright morning star. Christ, like the star that announced his birth, is announcing the reign of justice and turns social order upside down and in such a way that community is created out of compassion for one another rather than continued rejection and marginalization. That is the life that we are being called to in these final moments of the revelation. As we cry out for strength and presence of the spirit, Christ is calling out for community, for our concern and for our care for one another. Christ is requiring that we hand over our life, that we wash our robes and live in a way that continues to share and to teach all that he taught in his life here on earth. Christ is calling to John and to the church and to us to be his disciples. What I think is the most important part of this call, though, is that nowhere in this text are we told that anybody is left out of the call. No one is turned away. Instead, everyone who is thirsty will be allowed to drink. Everyone who washes their robes will enter through the gates. Paul Johnson writes, It creates a marvelous cinematic image of countless people of all nationalities, ages, languages, classes, and so forth, drawing out water that is freely given as a gift. And so at this point, we have been called to check ourselves and make sure that we ourselves are living in such a way that our robes are washed But we also learn that this entrance into the city and gift of living water is not reserved for just us, but it is instead offered to anyone and everyone who desires it. In his commentary on Revelation, New Testament scholar and the president of Union Presbyterian Seminary, Brian Blunt, explains that the bride referenced in scripture is, in fact, the New Jerusalem, inviting all of her nations to come through her gates. And he says this, As the people of God, she invites not herself, as one might think, not just the Christians, but those of the nations who are not of the church. She appears to be inviting those who are not yet witnessing believers to become witnessing believers so that they too may enter. In a world that seems to pride itself on the divisions and the secularizations, this word is not an easy one for us to hear or to understand. As humans... We take pride in our own beliefs, and we even tend to insist that anyone who believes differently than us is wrong. Hearing that even those who are not like us will not just come to the gates of the city, but be welcomed through the gates and receive that same gift of living water, can be a hard pill to swallow. However, as we wash our robes, we are called to reach out and to live with others who may not have washed their robes, who may never wash their robes. We are told that even those who live a life contrast to Christ's teachings But do turn to Christ, even if at the end of life, we'll be welcomed through those same gates. For many people, this can be beyond frustrating and is a major point of division and has been for centuries. However, as Brian Blunt addresses how one comes to the gate, he says, what is? they need to do to be able to come they must become like those who invite them they must hear they must witness to the Lordship of God and of Christ they must become like those who invite them we are the ones that are called to invite them but before we are able to do that we in turn must become like the one who invited us. And that one is Christ. We do not become like our neighbor, and they do not become like us. But we all wash our robes and become like Christ before we enter in the new city of Jerusalem. In his own closing to the epilogue of Revelation, Brian Blunt writes, In a world where many human and even satanic forces seem to be in control, God and the Lamb reign as Lord. No matter how powerful any country or force becomes, no matter how vast the reach of its military, political, and economic empire, God and the Lamb still reign as Lord. Those who believe in that Lordship must continue to witness in word and in action to the Lordship of God and the Lamb. They must do so because the Christ who is Lord, the Christ who is faithful and true, has promised that he is coming and soon. We proclaim that Christ is Lord through our actions, through our relationship with one another, And until Christ comes again, we are it. We are the way that others will come to know Christ and his teachings. will come to know God as Holy Father and Mother. We are the vessels that the Spirit will and does work through. This is our final call to discipleship. And without saying too much, I don't Think it's totally ironic that it came up this week when you look at the news. This call to discipleship is what Christ requires of us as members of the body. This is what we are required of as members of the church to live in community with one another. Sharing God's love and grace with all, whether we agree or not. Because that is what will bring all of us through the gates together. The end. For as long as I can remember, those two words have brought an onslaught of emotions that few other things can compare to. Relief anger, sadness, excitement, urgency, restlessness, longing. When a story is written or told well, these words can even seem like a heartbreaking end to a glorious relationship. This morning, that is where we are. This morning, we turn the final page of the story. This morning we read the conclusion of a story that has caused us to weep and to celebrate, to question and to long for more. To hold our breaths and to feel our hearts almost beat out of our chest. Like many good stories, the last few pages have answered questions, but they have also left us scratching our heads as we tried to understand just what the author meant. For centuries, like any good story, readers of this one have been left wanting more, crying out, come Lord Jesus. The end. Is it the end though? John never says the end, but instead, leaves us with a benediction, a word that hints at the fact that while the words on the page might come to an end, the story does not. And it does continue. It does not come to an end. When we respond to this final call of discipleship, When we ourselves wash our robes and enter through those gates with one another, we continue this story. Yes, I am coming soon, Jesus tells us. Until he comes again, what are we doing to ensure that everyone is ready? How are we washing our robes today? Amen.